The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. Hi, this is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this edition of the DI Guys podcast. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Coggle. Mike, tell me what's going on in the lovely city of Denver today. Chris, sunny and warm. Thank you very much, and happy 4th of July to everybody that's out there listening. As an ex-military guy, yes, I'm one of those guys that does salute the flag and celebrate the 4th of July. Hopefully we get some rain, but other than that, things are wonderful. How about yourself in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, we're fortunately for us starting tomorrow, ironically, the 4th of July, the weather is going to change dramatically where it's going to be sunny for the next two weeks or so. And for us, mid seventies, that is perfect weather for Seattle. That is perfect weather for Seattle. Just trying to get used to scheduling my kids a pool a week, a week in advance at a time because there can only be so many families in a pool. So some of these little things, but I guess it's, it's, you know what I, someone has said to me, Chris, it's the new normal. And I go, well, it ain't. It's new, but it ain't normal. So with that being said, we're just getting used to how we're living life right now and trying to make the most of the situation. Can't call it a bad situation. We'll just call it a situation, and it continues. As you and I both know, we watch the news. We're probably news junkies. COVID ain't going away anytime soon. So that being said, let's talk about disability insurance for 15 minutes. All right. Well, Mike, you and I have been in this industry a long time, and certainly – the, the number one provision in the DI contract that is talked about and talked about and talked about is ONOC. You know, the definition of disability and how it has to have ONOC in it. And you and I have seen the different arguments and, you know, we've heard what everybody says about it. So I, what I'd like to do is kind of toss it to you. And, and based upon your travels, you working with literally thousands and thousands of agents in different markets over the years. Kind of what your take is on this whole thing called ONOC. Well, we spent years trying to debate, Chris, and jump in whenever, debating whether the term was ONOC or REGOC, remember? I sure <laughs> like, do. Like it really, really, really matters. First, I think we should uh, just kind of quickly, we'll gloss over a couple definitions. You did say a point just a second ago here that I think is really poignant and relevant, and that is uh, the most important feature. If you were talking to Mike here right now, I would say, again, that feature doesn't go in top one for me or top two on the list, and we'll get to the reasons why, but I've always told people, you know, your, your insurability is probably one of the biggest features that you can ever have, and when you're buying a contract, know how that feature insurability works because we don't even know what it's going to look like a year from now, this COVID, the antibody, you know, we don't, we've said this thousands of times and I'll, you'll hear me probably every podcast for a year talking about the crystal ball. Your health can change on a dime. So I've always said that, you know, I think first and foremost, make sure that you've got the future insurability option to make sure because once again, all you have to do is show what financial documentation. Nobody can ask you about your health ever again. To me, that is just extremely important, especially for the younger population. The word REGOC and own occupation, and for us, the rest of this 15 minutes today, we'll use the term own occupation coverage. There's 
own occupation coverage, and then there's specialty definitions and things of that nature. Just a quick description of ONOC is unable to perform the substantial and material duties of your occupation, and essentially, I'm paraphrasing, and not engaged in another occupation by choice. I say that again. Unable to perform the substantial and material duties of your occupation and not engaged in another occupation by choice. That means that you're under the coverage of a physician, under the care of a physician, excuse me. You can't do what you would normally do for a job. I'll make me an easy example. Let's say something happens to me to the point where I could never fly again, and I was still working with Principal Financial Group, and I was traveling back then 37 weeks a year. Chris, I think it would be fair to say if a, if a physician said I could never, ever, ever get on a plane again, that that would be a definition of disability. Fair? Fair. Because all of my money was generated by going, not just doing talks on computers and not just doing Zoom calls. I didn't even do them then. But doing face-to-face -face seminars, and sometimes I always used to call myself being, you know, Mr. Motivational about disability insurance, the most interesting conversation to have in the world. Uh, trying to motivate people to sell, you know, if you get hurt, you get sick, you die. What else you want to talk about? Real fun. That being said, if I had that definition and was totally disabled by my doc saying he can't do his job, if I chose not to do anything else, I'm done, Chris. So if I want to go to a consumer electronics store and sell product, that's my choice. I could ultimately fall into a residual contract if I made enough money to do that. Almost every residual, not to confuse people, if you've got a 75% loss of income, you're deemed 100% disabled. But if I chose to go do another profession, and at some point went past that an earnings test, let's just say that I, I got to the point where I was really good at what I was doing, and making almost as much money as I made previous, I got like I made as much money as I made previous. I'm no longer going to get paid that disability claim. The likelihood of that happening, Chris, in my world, and again, this is my own commentary, the likelihood of that happening is 0.001%. It just doesn't really happen that way. Then you've got specialty, which is unable to perform substantial and material duties of your occupation, period. Pretty much period. If you can go perform something else, if you can perform something else but can't do this specific job, then you will still get paid. And I'm going to turn it back to you and just have you use an orthopedic surgeon as an example of what I'm saying so I'm not just talking on the mic here the whole 15 minutes today. So you take an orthopedic surgeon with a specialty definition and just regurgitate it back to me if you would so everybody has full understanding of how that works. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So if that orthopedic surgeon, let's just say, was in some type of accident and lost the use or of his or her arms, and, and obviously an orthopedic surgeon's got to have the arms, hands, and all that stuff working. So whatever happened, I cannot perform the orthopedic surgery. But he or she says, you know what? Well, I always wanted to be an attorney. So I'm going to go back to law school, and I'm going to help people who are filing disability claims. And that particular individual uh, makes money, no matter what money he or she makes as an attorney or as a software executive or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. The That orthopedic surgeon is going to get 100% of their monthly total disability benefit, even though they're doing something else. Chris, exactly. And thank you for clarifying and making easy the, the definitions and how they work. So let's change gears. That's basically, most of the time, Chris, I think you would say and agree with me that those are the definitions that you see out there. 
there's really not a lot of ANIAC definitions left. There's a ONAC provision, at least for a period of time, I think it's fair to say, in almost every single contract that's out there, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would agree, Mike. And certainly if you get into that middle market type of a product, you see two-year ONOC. So they're protected in their own occupation for two years. And then beyond that, it's uh, anything that they're qualified to do. But again, here's my question to you, Mike. And, and, you know, you've been doing this for over 30 years. You've represented more than one carrier. How many true ONOC claims have you seen? where the person is collecting benefits but is back to work making money doing something else? Chris, I'm going on, I think, my 32nd or 33rd year in the disability insurance industry, individual disability insurance industry. And I will tell you, in all candor, personally seen, personally seen, one claim and then we can do an industry average and some other things and things and numbers that I've got from a couple of carriers over time, which are again static and best guess. But I've seen one claim and it was an anesthesiologist way back at the beginning of my career who just absolutely something happened in the world of fumes from anesthesia and what happens. And believe it or not, this breaking out in a rash, not because of latex or anything like that, but because of fumes. So he couldn't work in his in his place, which is the OR. He could not work there. He was done. He could do just about everything else in life because he wasn't allergic to these fumes or built this rash up. Chris, this man went on to do, I think, software design or something and made a lot more money doing what he did in his current job than he did as an anesthesiologist, and he did continue to get paid. I've seen it once. I know of one other man that became, that was a dentist that became totally disabled as a dentist and became an insurance person and became fairly successful in the world of insurance, obviously selling disability insurance. So really two for me in 32 years that I actually personally know the human being. I used to talk to our old claims person, old, not old as a human, but she retired and we worked together for 20 some years. And I would ask this question annually at any given time, static period in the day. In other words, right now, today, how many open claims do you have that are reg up? And we're talking about $550 million on the books, give or take, for this particular carrier. And if you divide that by around $2,000 per policy, you're looking at a fair number of policies, a lot. At any time, static. A static number would be maybe eight, always less than 10. (laughs) So that pretty much gives you the percentage. Uh, Again, we're talking as zero, zero, one of you, the likelihood of you using that specific provision in the contract. People confuse. If you're unable to perform substantial material duties of your occupation, Chris, the likelihood of you doing something else becomes fairly remote. It's very, very unique that you will go and do something else. The likelihood of that, especially specialty, there are people that I'm not going to say shouldn't have specialty definitions in their, in their contract. But at the end of the day, I would, I would guess that they would be on claim whether they had that language or not almost every single time. It's not over insurance, but it sure is. It covers all bases. I always tell people it's a little bit, and it's a good, it, it's a good feature and it can be a good feature. And sometimes someone says for 10% or 8% more, I will do that. But I always used to equate it as, you know, there's not a lot of people that live on a mountaintop that have flood insurance. But you know what? 
There's always that just in case. So I'm never going to, as I like to say, poo-poo any definition, but I kind of look at it as there's not a lot of people living on a mountaintop that buy flood insurance. But I guarantee you there's some. You know, Mike, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up is, is to your point, not we certainly are not saying that specialty ONOC or true ONOC or whatever term you like to use is not a great feature. But what I've seen in my many years in this business is that agents and advisors, and let's separate the, the medical market out of it for just a second. Take it completely out for the okay. moment. But But yeah. anything else. Any other professional, any other executive, any other blue collar. Too often, agents and advisors start to talk about ONOC and how great it is before they have done what you like to say is to get the bobblehead going. So I'd like for you to kind of comment on how important it is to get the bobblehead going before we start talking about ONOC, REGOC, whatever. Chris, I would love to. I always tell people... The quote, and I'll go old school here, the quote stays in your briefcase until the bobblehead shakes their head yes. Because the bobblehead typically goes up and down and doesn't go left and right. So that being said, now everybody knows what I mean by get the bobblehead to shake its head. That means somebody's understanding. I've always said if you're talking definition of disability right out of the chute or from the get-go, as they say, you know what you're assuming? You're already assuming this person's going to be disabled and how they're going to get paid. They don't even understand the reason for purchasing disability insurance yet. You have to overcome that insincere objection that it will never happen to me. If you go straight into a regular occupation definition, you have lost that client because they are yet to understand that they could be next, that their family and their life as they know it could change dramatically forever in the event they got hurt or sick and couldn't go to work. What you do when you start with REGOC or ONOC or specialty definition and a lot of people make the mistake of starting this as the greatest definition ever, you're assuming they're going to get disabled and you're trying to tell them how they're already going to get paid. So they, I mean, there's a method to the madness. What I tell people is you're covered on or off the job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pretty much anywhere in the world unless there's a war or active war. That pretty much is how carriers operate. So they need to know, and then you tell them your physician decides whether or not you're disabled. That takes the old, oh, the insurance company is going to send a doctor to visit. You just answered about 10 questions in that six or seven second sentence, Chris, without having to go deep because you have to continue to sit there and go, would your life change if you didn't work for six straight months? Would your family be affected in any way, shape, or form? And that's where you've got to go. When somebody says there's various definitions or you're in competition, that's when sometimes you need to get into the weeds. But for almost every consumer out there, I always tell people, and you've heard this, Chris, and this is part of why I'm not the regular occupation crazy guy. Tell me what's on the third page of your homeowner's policy, Chris, and I'll go deep on definitions with you on disability insurance. You know why you have it. And that's where we need to start always with income protection is why are you doing this? And then we can worry about getting into the weeds later. Yeah, and, and Mike, I, I think, you know, to the point that we are bringing up is outside of that medical dental marketplace, you know, the average person has no idea what is in the policy. And so it is incumbent upon the agent or advisor to recommend the right coverage. So, you know, the, this specialty ONOC is, is not the first thing to lead with. Now, I'm going to take a step back for a second, Mike, because I said, let's exclude the medical dental. If you are an agent who is in the medical dental marketplace, there is no question that ONOC, REGOC, 
a specialty, all those terms are going to come up because competition is going to come in behind you and going to try to rip out uh, your particular plan that you have with your client. We see that over and over and over and over again. So if you are in that marketplace, you need to be very cognizant and have the discussion with the physician or the dentist and let him or her know what their coverage does and why you're recommending it. Now, certainly, we already know that we walk into that appointment, Mike, that bobblehead's already bobbing if it's a, if it's a doctor or a dentist. That is correct. And when you have that situation, Chris, you hit the nail on the head with competition. Uh, we get into what we call the middle of residence season sometimes, and it's interesting. There are so many people, especially through technology, contacting young, impressionable doctors, residents over and over. And this is where sometimes, you know, for them, it gets, it gets cloudy. Not gray, but it gets cloudy in their head. I've always used, you know what to do as an agent. If not, you've got experts that we allude to all the time that are out there. You've got general agents that do nothing but income protection. You've got carrier representatives in the field that can also explain to you exactly how definitions work or do not work. But what I've always told people, like if you're sitting in front of an again, just harking back to an orthopedic surgeon, if you're an orthopedic surgeon, and I know you are, and you're going to ask me as the orthopedic, Chris, you're going to say something to the effect of, does this have own occupation coverage? Don't know. I've probably heard it, I don't know how many times, well, more than a 1,000, more than a 1,000 in my career. Does this have own occupation coverage? The answer I've always said is, Chris, you get to be the orthopedic. Chris, Dr. Chris, you know what? I know that you're an orthopedic surgeon, so what I'm going to do is design my product specifically with your occupation as an orthopedic surgeon in mind. Are you okay with that? And you know what they say every time? Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. That's what they say, Chris. Yeah. You bring up something that's very critical here, Mike, is that if you, the agent, in this example, if I'm the orthopedic surgeon and you're the agent or advisor, if you are credible in my eyes, that's all I'm looking for. If, if on the other hand, I am a tire kicker and I really don't give a darn about a relationship, I'm probably going to let anybody in the door. And I would submit that if you are talking to somebody like that who is really using you, it's probably not the best of clients that you really want. Correct. You're just giving it a shot. And that's that happens a lot, and I get that. But by using something as simple as I understand, Dr. Chris, that you're an orthopedic surgeon, and the only thing I'm going to do is design a product specifically with you as an orthopedic surgeon in mind. What part of that didn't you understand, Chris? That is what... Uh, so many agents and advisors should do. It'd make their life so much easy, and then they don't have to go down in the weeds and start defending every you know T that's crossed and I that's dotted. Well, in every podcast, we try to do at least one simple sales idea, and let's just call that's the one for the 4th of July week. That's awesome, Mike. Hey, you know, Mike, I, I think you'll agree with me. We could talk about ONOC, REGOC, specialty OC, ad nauseum, but we just wanted to kind of Give a few ideas for our listeners that they can use. And, and I think you bring up a good point. You know, go to your BGA, go to your carrier rep and have a discussion if you're confused or, or you really want to get some more information because they certainly are, are on the front line and they can help you. Absolutely. Well, Mike, as always, it's a pleasure. You have a great uh, holiday weekend and we'll talk soon. Chris, to you and yours and your family and you do the same. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. 